Today, we're going to go over death benefit and uh, death benefit for beneficiaries. Um, and then we're also going to touch a little bit on um, usually insurance for wealth management and growth. Okay. Um, we're going to go over the mechanics a little bit and, and whatnot. So let's see, we're going to click into this here. Um, hey, look, it's me. Okay. So first is how to get the money, right? You have a death in the family. It's really sad. And I'm sorry about that. And I don't mean to be crass or anything like that, but, but how do we get the money from our policies, our life insurance policies? So you, the client and your agent, okay. You have to make the claim. If you, if, if, if you are the beneficiary and you don't know that you're the beneficiary and nobody finds that insurance policy, guess what? The insurance carrier is never going to pay out because the claim doesn't get made and the agent doesn't get notified when, when, um, when a client dies, um, like not on a life insurance policy, right? We do get notified in the sense um, for like auto and homeowners, but not really because I've seen, um, I've seen some people, um, pass away and they, their, their auto insurance continues for another year or two years. And it just keeps getting deducted out of their bank account, um, or charged to their credit card. And, um, that happens. Okay. So you've got to make the claim. Um, you must provide Proof of identity as the beneficiary, um, state issued ID, passport. Um, those are usually the two the two best ones. Um, a certificate of death must be sent in with the claim um, or shortly thereafter. Now, certificate of death can take some time to get. Right in in a lot of cases. Um, uh, you know, if, if there's ever an investigation into how the person died, that could take an extremely large amount of time. Um, but one thing you want to make sure to do with the certificate of death is to get at least 10 copies. Okay. And I'm not talking go Xerox it at your, in your, in your home office, you need certified from the, from the ME, from the, the, the coroner, from the state certified copies of death certificate because you have to send out an original for every life insurance policy. You have to send out an original with um, all the end of life stuff. And everybody needs, like whenever you submit all of the things for, for the, um, you know, the bank, the bank, when, when you're, if your spouse dies, um, you've got to go to the bank to have them removed from your mortgages, from your bank accounts, or to gain access to their bank accounts, the bank needs that original certificate of death. Okay. So get at least 10, maybe even 15, maybe 20, you know, as many as you think that you're possibly going to need, depending on, on your, on the person that passed away. Um, oh, that's here. Um, what's that, Julie? Does the beneficiary have to have, have to know the policy number? Uh, or um, like a copy, or is a name is sufficient? So you're going to have to. So you're going to have to know. Um, you're going to have to know the the agent or the carrier. Um, you're going to have to know their name. You're going to have to know all of their personal information, date of birth, 
uh, social security number, um, that kind of stuff so that they can find the policy, right? Like I can't go, I can't go and say, Hey, my client might have a life insurance policy with your company. Um, you know, I can't, I can't go and send out blanket, um, policy, uh, claims to, you know, I work, I work with 50 different life insurance carriers. It does, doesn't work. So a um, name uh, and social security number and date of birth yeah. of insured, yeah. uh, that will be enough to find the policy? What, what you should do is you should have a file. And in that file, Absolutely. you're going to yes. have, yeah, that's, okay. that's, that's what needs to happen is you need, because yeah. you need to make it as easy as possible for either, right. either you as the beneficiary or for your beneficiaries, mm -hmm. right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, that's one of the things that we do as real estate investors, as, as investors, as people, is we want to set up our, the people that we're passing our legacy onto, we want to set them up for success. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. it's best to have a copy of your policy or at least the policy numbers um, and, and all of that pertinent information in a file. Right. Yeah. Um, every single claim on a death uh, benefit gets investigated by the insurance carrier. Right. So it happens on every single one of them. They're never not going to investigate it. That investigation, we'll hit on it in just a minute, can take anywhere from two days to six months, right? So some of these policies can take a long time to pay out. Um, after that investigation happens, the check will be sent out one of two ways, right? And this is up to whoever sets up the policy, but it's also some insurance agents. Okay. So the two ways is one, the check gets sent to the agent in the name of the beneficiary. The other way is the check gets sent directly to the beneficiary. Okay. Some agents like to have the check sent to them because they like to deliver, hand deliver their, the, the death benefit check to their client. And, you know, then they, at that time, you know, we're, we're like vultures. We sit down and we have the set, the, the talk. Okay. Now, what are you going to do with, you know, this check? Right. Because we're vultures. Right. I don't like doing that. Agents that do that, I think are trash. Um, but there are a lot of agents that do that. Okay. Um, the way that I set it up is I always have that check um, directed to go to the beneficiary. Um, I know that that check is going to go to them. And I hope that I have created a good enough relationship with that client that they're going to know to reach out to me and say, Hey, I got this check. I don't know what to do with it. You know, that's kind of part of our jobs is to is to do, you know, wealth management and that kind of stuff. Also, you should, you know, depending on the size of the payout, you should talk to a financial advisor as well. Right. So, um, okay. Last point on the money is death benefit proceeds are tax exempt. They're tax free, right? But, but if you take that money, invest it in something, the money that you make off of that investment is not tax free. Um, we had a client 
not too long ago get really, really mad at us because she assumed that that investment was going to be tax-free. It's not. You owe money on your increase from that investment. You don't owe money on the principal amount, but if you invest that money, you will owe taxes on it, depending on how you invest it. Um, and also on the tax exempt, if you have a life insurance policy that is paid by a corporation, an LLC, a company, if, you, if your company buys a life insurance policy on you, the proceeds from that policy are not tax exempt because you used your company to write off the premium that you paid for that life insurance policy. And so you will owe, or your beneficiaries will owe taxes on the death benefit of that policy. There are a couple workarounds on that. There's some ways to set it up so that it's you can write it off and it's also tax-free, but that's a much larger um, play. And, and it's something that you've got to work with a, a very knowledgeable agent to be able to set up. Basis it, basics are, if your corporation pays for your policy, it is not tax-free. Okay. Timeline on the death benefit. Death certificates can take anywhere from two days to three months to get. And if, 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 there's a, if there's an investigation into how you died, it could take six months, right? Um, the police are not exactly slow or not exactly fast. They're not exactly slow. They're not exactly fast. So um, that's something that can take quite a bit of time. Um, your agent needs to submit the claim with the needed documentation. Once that happens, the claim will get processed. Carrier investigations can take two to six months. And then, but, you know, statistically, like it says, 90% of all death benefit claims are finalized within one month, right? So, but I wouldn't, don't count on getting paid sooner than 30 days, right? That's, that's pretty quick in a, in a death benefit scenario. Um, Just wondering, uh, statistically, how much um, percentage of death benefit are not claimed? Oh, I don't have that number right now, but I know that it's fairly substantial. Oh, wow. um, and then and then there's also another bit about um, term life insurance versus whole life insurance as to how much gets paid out. Um, so and we'll go over that in just a minute. Um, so the money gets paid out is either a lump sum or you can set it up to pay out as a monthly or annual annuity annuity. Um, and so there's, there's the two slash three ways to get that money paid out to your beneficiaries. Um, like I said before, the money gets sent to either the agent or the client. Um, it's entirely dependent on how you, the client set it up for your beneficiaries. Um, and I recommend making sure that your agent sets it up so that the check goes directly to the beneficiary, because otherwise you're going to have a vulture sitting there saying, now you've got all this money. What are you going to do? Um, the money is paid out to the beneficiary, meaning that regardless of claims against the life insurance, regardless of the ex-wife who thinks she's entitled to some of the money or some illegitimate children who think that they're entitled to some of the money 
or the cousin who said, uncle so-and-so said that I get, you know, a million dollars when he dies from his life insurance. That doesn't matter. The money goes to the beneficiary. After that, that's when the fight starts and it can go to court and you can work through all the probate or you can settle it um, between you and your family and that ex-wife. Um, death benefit proceeds are tax exempt, like I said, but just be careful if you are paying for your life insurance policy through a corporation, uh, which is number five. Um, got the money, now what? The money is completely at, is, is to be used completely at the discretion of the beneficiary of the policy, right? Like I said, the money goes to the beneficiary. You can use it to do whatever you want. You can go buy a, 10 pounds of cocaine and snort it up your nose. Okay. It's totally up to you. Um, if there are any disputes comes up in court after the money goes to the beneficiary. Again, it's tax free, but money made from the investment is not tax free. Um, one of the ways to settle disputes is like we talked about, what was it last week with Richard? Um, set up the trust, set up your trust as the beneficiary and also having that pour over provision, which he said last week, will go to probate, but you know, it's that catch all, right? So set up the trust as your beneficiaries. The money goes to the trust. The trust gets to decide what happens to it. And then, you know, in the case of having, having, you know, ex-wives and illegitimate children and all of that. If the trust is set up and you're on top of your will and, you know, then, then there's no dispute. Um, okay. So now I want to hit a little for a minute on prepaid final expense policies. Okay. Um, prepaid funerals. That's a way that a lot of people like to go. Um, one of, one of the benefits of a prepaid funeral is that you know you save 10 to 15 percent usually on the cost of a funeral by doing a prepaid funeral. Um, and that also alleviates, excuse me, that also alleviates some of the 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 expenses that can happen to your um to your your beneficiaries, to the people that you're leaving behind, right? Um, a final expense policy, also known as a burial policy, also known as a funeral policy. Um, they are policies that you pay for either monthly, annually, or that you can get them in a single payment, um, that you go and you purchase. It's a life insurance policy is what it, it's a, it's a contract with a life insurance carrier to pay for your funeral when you die or pay for someone's funeral when they die. Right. Um, where a prepaid uh, funeral, you deal directly with um, a, uh, a funeral home. Um, prepaid or final expense policies, you usually save somewhere between 50 and 80% of the cost of a funeral. The average cost of a funeral right now is just shy of $10,000. It's like 9,700 and change. Um, so they're, they're fairly expensive. 
uh, final expense policies. Um, they're super fast to um, get issued. Um, they can pay out as fast as three to five days um, after the death of a loved one. Um, and they cost, um, if, if you do a single payment, they're going to cost somewhere in the range of three to $5,000 um, and maybe a little bit more depending on the age of the, of the, of the client um, who's getting it um, for themselves. But um, they're, 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 they deal directly with the insurance carrier and they, um, so that means that you can, you can use any funeral home that um, your beneficiary wants. Um, and I feel like there was one other thing that I wanted to say about the funeral policy, but I cannot remember it right now. So, you know, if you guys have questions pop up, please uh, feel free to either ask them here or get Yeah, I after. have a question. What what kind yeah. of life insurance um, can seniors get? Or is it just too expensive, not worth it? So no, no. Life insurance for seniors is not too expensive. The, the average age of somebody getting a final expense policy um, is over 70. Um, and if they're paying for it monthly, according to, I think it was Northwestern, um, if they're paying for it monthly, it's about it's somewhere between, um, like men and women, it's somewhere between 70 and $150 a month for a $10,000 policy, um, for a 70 year old that, that, that those are approximate numbers. Um, and, and every policy is different except for, but, um, oh, that was the thing. Final expense policies are, are simple issue policies, meaning that you do not have to get a medical. Um, in the application, we'll ask you some, some medical history questions, um, but that's it. You're not going to have a nurse come out to your house and take your blood pressure and ask you to stand on a scale and do all of those things. Um, so they're, they're, they're quick to issue. Um, and okay. I'm, I'm not asking almost never do they get denied. Yeah. I'm not asking final expenses policy. I'm not, I'm asking. So, life, so uh, um, and, and yeah, so for, for a regular whole life policy, um, for, uh, somebody a little bit older, they are more expensive. Um, as far as like your monthly cost, um, but it's, it's all kind of relative, right? So as a 30 year old, if I go and get a million dollar insurance policy, whole life insurance policy, and I pay into that till the day that I'm till, till the day that I die at 85 years old, um, saying that that's when I die. Um, the amount of money that I pay into that policy is going to be somewhat similar to a person who is 70 years old, who goes and gets that same policy, right? So over, over the course of my 55 years of paying into that policy, say for that million dollars, I pay in $600,000, okay? So for a million dollars worth of life insurance, I pay in $600,000, right? That's over the course of my lifetime of 55 years. A 70-year-old 
that goes and gets that same million dollars in coverage is going to still pay in somewhere close to that $600,000 mark for a million dollars of coverage. It's So it's just going to be much shorter of a term, right? So I'm going to start when I'm 70 years old. I'm going to pay into it for 15 years, which means that my monthly premium is going to be a lot higher. Um, but there are also some other, and we're going to talk about one of them here in a second. Um, there's also some really, some other, other possibilities um, for older people to buy life insurance uh, with some, with some good death benefit. Um, and if, if you have, you know, some money that you're wanting to reposition, there's also some really great things that can happen with this. So, um, can you talk a little bit, uh, a little bit about, about the long-term care if, um, yes. No um, so people? I'm not going to go over long-term care today. Um, but okay. there's, there's, uh, I did a long-term care. One of the things with long-term care is that it's not, not as common anymore in for just a long-term care. Um, yes, Liz, we can definitely flag that topic. Um, it's not as common for just writing just a policy for long-term care because almost every life insurance policy from a good carrier, almost every life insurance policy from a good carrier includes a long-term care, a critical illness, um, and like a dismemberment, uh, chronic illness, um, uh, disability rider inside of the life insurance policy. So not only do they cover, not only does it, does, does the life insurance policy give you a death benefit, but it also gives you some lifetime, um, uh, I can't think of the word right now, but, um, it, it gives you some money that, that the policy will give you um, during your lifetime, if you have something come up like needing long-term care, like um, a major disability or chronic illness, um, that kind of stuff. Um, so I want to go over modified endowment contracts really, really quick. Um, Julie, I know that I didn't answer all of your questions on that. And if you want to, we can definitely uh, jump into a meeting um, later this week or sometime. Um, and we can go over some long-term care stuff and, and life insurance and that kind of stuff. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, of course. Um, so a modified endowment contract is a life insurance contract, okay? The cool thing about insurance contracts are client meets his obligations of the contract, insurance carrier is going to meet their, um, their part of the contract. They're going to follow on what they said that they would do, right? Um, so it's a contract. It's not an investment. It's not a, you know, if this happens, this is going to happen. It's a contract, something that we're going to say, this is going to happen, period. Um, so money left. So what makes a modified endowment contract is that it's usually their single premium, meaning that I'm going to buy a life insurance contract and I'm going to pay once, right? So I'm going to take $100,000 and I'm going to buy a life insurance contract with that $100,000, okay? I'm going to move that money in right now today, okay? Money left inside of that policy. It Doing that breaks a couple of rules, but it, there's some really cool things that happen 
um, because of it. It breaks a couple of rules that are called uh, Tamra. It's a, it's a Tamra is a, it's part of the tax code. Um, and it has to do with um, how fast you can pay into a life insurance policy. Okay. Um, money left inside of a modified endowment contract will grow at 8% annually in most cases. It is a cash value policy, which means that you can um, take money out of that policy. If you take money out of that policy, the, the money that you pay into it day one is available day one. Okay. It'll take a couple of weeks to go through all the paperwork and whatever to get the money back, but it's available day one at no there are no, um, there's no, uh, what's the word? Um, when you, when you pull money out of a, out of your, your Roth before you're 59, it's a, it breaks some rules and fees. There's some fees. I can't remember the word. It doesn't matter. So if you pull your money out of the, that one. Okay. If you pull your money out of the mech in the first year, it does not break the rules. And so there are no uh, penalties. Thank you, Robert. There's no penalties. Um, so unlike other retirement contracts, you can choose how much and when you want to take the money out for in that first year. Um, there are no cap on principal contributions, meaning that Unlike your Roth, that you only put, you know, 5,500 bucks in a year or whatever the number is, 6,500. Um, if you want to put in $100,000 a year into your, your, your policy, go for it. If you have a million dollars, go for it. That's one of the awesome things about life insurance, cash value life insurance policies. You can put as much money into them you want, as you want, as long as the policy is set up correctly. And we can modify that policy as time goes to change that amount if need be, right? So if you only wanna pay in once, hey, guess what? We're gonna set up a policy you only pay in once. Hey, you wanna put in $10,000 this year, $50,000 next year, 100 the year after that, and then $10,000 a year after that, or whatever. It doesn't matter, we can make that adjustment and there's no penalties for doing that. Um, and you can do as much as you want. Um, like life insurance, like all life insurance policies, they're principal, well, like index universal policies, a modified endowment contract is principal protected, meaning that your investment goes up, but it can never go below the floor of zero, right? So it, it participates in the market gains. It doesn't participate in the market losses. Um, they are tax deferred, which means that it is a last in first out, um, when you're alive, that's how it acts. So you pay taxes on the money that you draw out of it while you're alive, which is like an annuity. But when you die, all the money gets transferred. It, the cash value dissolves, gets transferred into the death benefit, and that goes tax-free to your beneficiaries. Okay, um, And it offers all the same uh, protections as a standard life insurance policy with accelerated benefits, statutory protections, death benefit, IRS protection, divorce protection, corporate law protection, bankruptcy protection, it has those built into it. So it's a really cool um, contract. Um, modified endowment contracts are not new. They've existed for over 100 years. All of the big names use them, including banks. 
Wells Fargo has $18 billion operating inside of a mech right now. Chase Bank has them. Uh, Fannie Mae, um, all the banks, all the banks use these. Billions and billions of dollars go into these every year for these banks. Um, these are the strategies that have kept the wealthy families wealthy forever. Um, they've become more popular over the last 10 to 20 years as more people learn about them, understand them. Books like, um, uh, is it Be Your Own Bank um, by Robert Nash? I think it's Be Your Own Bank. I can't remember the exact name, but um, Robert Nash wrote a book on them back in the 60s or something like that. Um, okay, so this is the part about payout. Um, term life insurance, right? Less than 2% of all term life insurance. Nelson Nash. Thank you, Robert. Um, and I'll answer that question in one second. Um, less than 2% of term life insurance gets paid out on death. Less than 2%. That's because people stop paying their, their premiums. Those term policies end before the people die a number of reasons, right? Whereas 84% of cash value life insurance policies pay out, 84%, okay? Huge number. Um, most life insurance, most insurance brokers avoid working with mechs because they do not understand them. They don't know how to set them up and so they screw them up. And that's when you hear the horror stories about people's life insurance policies imploding, breaking apart and, and having issues, right? So if you're going to employ these strategies, work with someone who knows what they're doing or work with someone who may not know what they're doing, but they have a support system of people that do know what they're doing, okay? If the policies are set up correctly, 84% of them pay out the death benefit and you can also use the cash while you're alive. Um, in that 16%, that's not just the ones that are imploding, right? 16% of those policies, people forget about and they don't go and claim them when their beneficiary dies. Um, people for, go through some financial troubles and they don't get with their agent to adjust their policy so that they end up losing that policy um, because they went through some, some issues, okay? Um, so key takeaways for today at least 10 copies of the death certificate, okay? Otherwise you're gonna to have to wait for extras when you need them. Um, check out funeral and final expense policies. Um, they're, they're cheap. They're cheap and you can save a bunch of money on something that you know is going to happen. Everyone needs a funeral. Everyone gets a funeral, right? It's just, how are we gonna pay for it? The company that writes your life insurance policies matter, okay? Some, some companies, B-rated companies, don't go with them because there's something in that. Like we were talking about earlier with Chris and, and the fire, if it's caused by this reason, we're not going to pay out, right? Life insurance is similar, right? Um, some of the B-rated carriers, if the, if the client commit suicide, they will not pay out the life insurance policy. 
I'm pretty sure it's over 90% of A-rated carriers. If you commit suicide, they pay out. Um, I assume that's next, after a period of time, Aaron? Um, so yes and no. Some carriers, some carriers, um, day one, they will pay out. Some carriers make you wait until the end of the of the take back period, um, which on average is around two years. Um, I also wrote a policy the other day that was um, if you committed suicide in the first 90 days, they wouldn't pay out. But after 90 days, they would pay out. Um, with MEX, um, I think it's, it is it's a two play. years. Oh, sorry. So I have a uh, policy. Sorry, I have a policy which has a two years uh, for if any, you know, this occurs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they do exist. Um, two years is is pretty common. Um, um, but but you can also find policies that it's day one. You can find them that it's zero, uh, day zero, or or ninety or. Um, with with a B-rated carrier, a lot of them say if if the client passes away because of suicide, they will not pay out. Um, and and there's even writers out there that say if the client dies in the act of breaking the law, they will not pay out. Right. So just that's something to look at. Right. I mean, I know that you guys are all on the up and up. Um, and so that's not something that you need to worry about, you know, breaking the law, but that's there. Um, mechs are a play to reposition assets to create extra leverage, right? They aren't a end-all, be-all investment. I don't think any investment is, right? It's all about, hey, how can I combine multiple strategies together to create the best play for myself? Um Mechs avoid margin calls that are typical with other investment accounts. Um, 85 to 90% of the premium paid in on day one is available the following day, right? Um, there are some rules around um, if you're under 59 years old, there are some rules, some penalties that can come into play if you uh, take withdrawals after the first year. Um, anything done in the first year, there's no penalties, right? So first year we play with it, you're not two through nine, two through 10, we leave it alone. And then anything after that, um, well, two through however, 59 years old. Um, they're principal protected contracts, they have statutory protection, and they're just a way to create extra arbitrage. So, um, and that's my whole spiel for today.